It's wonderful to be with you today and to be able to share as we continue to learn from the early church, from the church in its earliest days, the difference they made on the world in essence by turning the world upside down because people in that day and time, they saw things a certain way. And then because of Jesus' resurrection and what Jesus taught the early church uh, about God's love and God's grace, God's power, God's presence, uh, they literally flicked people's worldviews, their ideas of themselves uh, and about how this life works and what's really good in this life, upside down, changed the world forever. We are a part of that. Our lives have been changed because of how the world was changed and flipped upside down. In fact, that's what their critics actually said of them. They said, these people are going around turning the world upside down. And we would add in a beautiful way. We, we, we want to be a part of that. And we're going to look today at how we can continue to be a part of that. I do want to share uh, just a brief announcement for you before we get into the core of the message this morning. And that is uh, one of the things that we see uh, the world turning upside down power of the church is that the church throughout its history, the church universal, Concord United Methodist Church, has always uh, made great sacrifices and taken on great endeavors to reach people with this life-changing power. Of, of Jesus's message. And we have the chance to do that in our church. It's been our dream uh, for well over a decade, for almost two decades now, uh, to provide for our church, for our community in some very specific ways. When we see the growing areas within our community, the, the fastest growing areas are retirees and families with young children. It's been our dream to have a world-class facility for children's ministry. Right now, our children meet at, with incredible volunteers in an incredible incredibly decorated area of the church that we like to call the lower level. Do you know what the lower level stands for? The basement, right? We, we believe we can do better and we believe we can provide a, a more welcoming, uh, a, a better lit, a, a space that's closer to the worship areas that parents feel better about. Uh, we believe we can do that. We also believe that by doing that, uh, we can create uh, almost three times as much space for participants in our CADES ministry, where, where that ministry could double or triple its participants. If you're not aware of the CADES ministry, uh, it provides daily care uh, for those living with dementia uh, and respite for their caregivers. It makes a transformative impact uh, on families across our community. We're going to have a meeting to talk about what that would look like for us as a church. It's on May 21st. We want to invite everyone to come. We want to get you all the information. We want to show you architectural drawings. We want to show you renderings. We, we want to talk finances. We want to talk about all that. Uh, that's May 21st. It's going to take place right in here. There will be child care. There will be food. You need to register if you need both. Or, or either, and uh, it will be live streamed. So you're invited Sunday, May 21st, right after worship. Hang out. We'll have some food. We'll have an important church conversation. Love for you to be a part of it. Uh, part of how we seek to continue uh, to turn the world upside down by reaching out with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about uh, this, this world-changing power of the early church. Uh, when we think about the great accomplishments of humanity in history. I've been thinking about this recently because, you know, they just announced they're going back to the moon, right? We're going back to the moon. And, and they announced the four astronauts who will, who will go to the moon. That they, they put their picture up. And I didn't have the privilege of being around when we first went to the moon. Uh, my grandfather grew up without a car. He was the first person in his family to learn to drive a car. He learned to drive a car on his, his, in his small town of Alexandria, Tennessee, where, where his family had property. And then he actually taught his father how to drive a car. 
Now, that man who was the first person in his family to drive a car got to see us go to the moon the first time. That had to be a different experience for him than it would be for me having grown up always knowing we could get there. So I went back and I watched some of the news broadcasts of when we first went to the moon. And I saw the great Walter Cronkite. Any of you remember watching him growing up? He always knew what to say. When we got to the moon, he took off his glasses, he wiped his eyes, and he said, somebody say something, I don't have anything. It touched him, so, it was an... It touched him so much. It was an event of such magnitude. All right, so I want you to think for a moment. What do you think the greatest accomplishment of humanity is? The greatest accomplishment of humanity. And normally we don't do this, but I actually want you to tell me the answer. Okay, this is, so, so somebody shout out, what do you think the greatest accomplishment of humanity is? Resurrection. The resurrection. Okay, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, uh, we, we, we could say that's the greatest accomplishment of divinity, but Jesus was also human. What's the greatest accomplishment? You think of what humankind has come together to do. What's the greatest accomplishment in your mind? The printing press. The printing press fundamentally changed the world. Very, very doubtful you have the Protestant Reformation or democracy without the printing press. Incredible invention. What, what, what else? What's that? Indoor plumbing. Amen, right? Right? I, I'm sorry, but I will take indoor plumbing over the printing press. Right? That, that, that's a good, let, let, let's, let's do one more. One more. What do you think? Electricity. Absolutely, electricity fundamentally changes the world. But I want to share with you, I think there's something even more fundamental. I think there's something without which we never could have had the printing press. I think it's an achievement of humanity without which we would not have electricity or indoor plumbing. Uh, and, and it actually took place thousands and thousands of years ago. Uh, it's the creation of language. W without language, we, 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 don't, we don't have any, anything else, right? Now, I'm going to tell you something that you never thought a pastor would say. Uh, the Bible... The Bible is, is not the most powerful book in the world. I know. Now, I believe it's the most important message ever given to us. But do you know what book is more important than even this? The dictionary. Because without the dictionary, the Bible means nothing. It's just gibberish. It's just symbols on paper. The dictionary actually gives us language, helps us know what this book is. So yes, this is the most powerful message. But we, we'd never know this message without the dictionary. It was the creation of language. Uh, when, when we're told that God creates the word, we're told that in creation, God literally spoke the world into being, right? He used language. He, he spoke the world into being. And uh, Jesus, we're told in the gospel of John, is the word. We're told this is the word of God incarnate. Uh, he's, he, he's the word. And so it's this language that helps us know what does life really mean? Because sometimes we walk around and we, we live life and we don't actually know what, what it means. And that's why we need God's word so much. Because the people before the early church, they were walking around, they were living their life, they thought they were doing great. And then they heard the message of Jesus and they said it turns the world upside down. Because it's so different than what we thought was good. What we thought was, was right and good and appropriate turns out to be entirely different. And still today, there are places in, in our world uh, where what we hear is, is different. 
uh, than the truth of God. And what the scripture we're going to be reading today is about how the early church, how they spoke the word boldly about Jesus and who Jesus was. And we still need to hear that. And one of the ways we're blessed today, the early church didn't have the New Testament. Like they were the New Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. We have it now. You can hear the word of God boldly every day by reading your Bible and praying. I hope you're doing so. If you haven't begun doing so, I'd encourage you to sign up for our Grow Through the Bible reading plan. You can pick it up. We, we got a hard copy out at the Information Center in the lobby. You can find it at concordunited.org slash Bible there at concordunited.org slash Bible. Not only will you find a daily Bible reading plan, you can sign up for an email or podcast daily devotion that'll take you deeper within the scripture, give you a focus for your prayer time. We need to hear that word of God spoken boldly into our lives because there are too many places uh, in our world, in our culture, that haven't allowed Jesus to flip them upside down yet. Where what we're told is right and healthy and good is, is anything but. So we'd, we encourage you to, to be a part of that. And we need that. Because here's the deal. I want to ask you this question. Think about this for a moment. How does it feel when you're wrong? How does it feel to be wrong? I imagine right now you're thinking, well, I get this feeling in the pit of my stomach. I get this bit of dread. I kind of want to shrink away and hide. I don't really like dealing with it and thinking about it. No, that's not how it feels to be wrong. That's how it feels when you realize you're wrong. You know how it feels to be wrong? This is scary. Exactly like it feels to be right. That's what's so scary. That's why we need to hear God's word. That's why we need to speak God's word and allow it to turn our lives upside down because we might be going in the wrong path and we think we're, we're right on. I was talking to a man a few years back at the church, elderly gentleman, and he was telling me the story of how when he was in middle age, when he realized what it was doing to his health, uh, he gave up smoking and how difficult that was for him and how important it was for him. I asked him the question, I said, when did you smoke your first cigarette? He said, nine years old, nine years old. I said, why did you smoke a cigarette at nine? He said, my parents gave it to me. Why'd they give you the cigarette? Because I had a sore throat and they thought it might help, right? They didn't feel bad about that. Today, we would consider that neglect, if not abuse, right? To give a nine-year-old a cigarette. They didn't. That they didn't know. They felt great about that. They're trying to help their kid uh, who has a little bit of a, an illness. To, that today they'd be horrified, but, but, but they didn't know. We can walk through life not knowing, and we think what's right is wrong. We think what's wrong is right. So we need Jesus. We need Jesus to flip our world upside down. Goodness knows our world needs to be flipped upside down by Jesus. So I want to share with you how uh, that began to happen by followers of Jesus and the way they were willing to use words, the way they were willing to use language, the way they were willing to speak boldly. Here, here's what's going on. We're going to pick up in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, they've been teaching and praying at the temple. And one day this man comes to them and he's been crippled uh, for, for many, many, many years. In fact, we're, we're told he, he's over 40. And uh, they, they see him and they heal him. They say, hey, stand, stand up and walk. And he can walk. And everybody knows this dude. Like everybody knows him. And they all know he's been crippled. And they can't figure out what to do. Uh, so they call Peter and John and they put them on trial in front of the Jewish council. And they say, you have to explain how you healed, healed this guy because we, we know what happened. And the, Peter and John begin to say, hey, it was Jesus. It wasn't us. It was Jesus who did this through us. Well, the council doesn't want to hear that. 
Remember, the council just convicted Jesus of blasphemy and being a heretic and asked that he be crucified. So, so they don't, they don't want to hear it. But Peter and John, they're just honest. They're like, well, you, this is what happened. And we're going to pick up with verse 13 of Acts chapter 4. Now, when the council saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. All right? So... What, what happens? They come and, and they're like, we can't, the, the council's like, we can't deny this happened. Uh, we, we don't really believe it's Jesus. We don't want them talking about Jesus. But neither can we torture and imprison them because everybody loves them because they, they just did this. So we're just going to tell them to be quiet and not talk about it. And then, then what, what do they say? They say, hey, whether it's right in God's sight to listen to God and talk about what God's done or to listen to you, hey, you have to be the judge of that. Uh, but we can't quit speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. Have you ever been around a kid after they first go on a roller coaster? I'm going to tell you, they will tell you about it. They will tell you about it for the next hour. They will tell you about it for the next day. They will tell you about it for the next week. They may tell you about it for the next month because they are so proud that they were big enough and strong enough and courageous enough to go on that ride. They can't quit talking about it. No matter how many times they've told you, they can't quit talking about it. That's how the early church was about Jesus. Or you ever been to like your favorite restaurant and had your favorite meal? Like you're going to, the day after that, you're going to see like one of your friends and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, there's Diane. She needs to hear about the Parmesan chicken. She just really needs to know how good the Parmesan chicken and the asparagus, it was perfect. Right? You're going to tell, your friend might be a vegetarian. You're still going to tell him about Parmesan chicken or ribeye steak or whatever it might be because you're so excited. You can't stop talking about it. That's how the early church was with, with Jesus. That's, that's how we need to be with Jesus. So what can we learn from how the early church turned the world upside down by speaking about Jesus that will help us in how we can allow God to speak to us and turn our lives ups, upside down, maybe we might say right side up, and help us continue to be a part of that world-changing power that turned the world upside down so long ago. Well, the first bit is we have to have a commitment to speak the truth. We, we have to speak the truth. And the truth is different from just our opinion. Here, here's the truth. The truth is, uh, what has Jesus done in your life? Like, I can tell you my opinion. My opinion is that uh, 
Christianity is the best religion and that if you're going to be a Christian, you might as well be a Methodist because that's just the best way to go within Christianity. But that's, that's my opinion. But then I can come and I can tell you the difference Jesus has made in my life. And I can tell how Jesus has touched me. And I can tell you how Jesus has helped me live with more peace because I know I'm forgiven. And, and Jesus has helped me uh, live with more kindness and compassion because I know how kind and compassionate Jesus has been to me. And I can do better. I need to do better. I have to ask forgiveness all the time. But I can tell you the, dif the difference Jesus has made in that. I can tell you the difference Jesus has made in helping me let go of grudges uh, and getting that hatred that poisons me from the inside out, out, out of my heart. I, I, I can tell you that. You know what? When you tell somebody the difference Jesus has made in your life, you can't argue with that, right? You, you can't argue with that. We have to be willing to go there because so many times people ask us things and... Uh, we, we can answer a number of ways and we normally say, or we often say everything but Jesus. You know, everything but Jesus. I, I get asked sometimes, hey, what are the keys to a healthy marriage? I can tell you a lot of keys to healthy marriage. I can tell you about communication. I can tell you about uh, making sure that, that you agree on finances uh, and uh, different things on, on how you raise kids and, and all that stuff. But you know what, if, if I look at my own experience, all that stuff's important, but the core is Jesus. And I don't need to leave Jesus out as I'm giving healthy, practical advice. Because I think you need to understand that when you get married, that Jesus is a part of that covenant. There, there are three people in every Christian marriage covenant. Uh, there's husband, wife, and Jesus. And you need to know that when you don't have the strength to be kind to your husband or wife, Jesus is there to help you. When you get in a situation where you're not sure how to navigate it, Jesus is there. And it gives you that confidence that when, we, when we're at our wits end, when we can't figure this out, he's going to be there and he's going to give us the strength to live out our vows because he said he would. He, he just said he would. And, and he does that. You, you, need, you need to know that. I, I've seen so many couples who've been able to resurrect marriages because when they were ready to give up, they had that belief that we're not done yet. Because Jesus isn't, isn't done yet, right? Uh, we, we, we have to add that. It's so many times I imagine people might ask you, hey, how do you deal with anxiety? How do you deal with worry? And you can tell them a lot of things, but make sure you also tell them about Jesus. When, when Jesus comes up, let Jesus come up. And if you're like, well, I believe, or I'm just here wondering about Jesus. Hey, I came to church because I, I like the music and I got friends here. I'm not sure what to make of Jesus. Then I just want to encourage you, pray every day. Start reading your scriptures every day. And I think you're going to find that he's going to speak to you. And when he does, share what he says with others. Speak the truth. Don't hold back the truth. We're so tempted. We're taught so much, right? Uh, what, what, uh, what are you told in our society, right, from the time you're young. Don't talk politics, don't talk religion, right? You're told not to do that. Talk Jesus, folks, right? Uh, you, you, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, be all hardcore about your religion has to look exactly like this. Talk Jesus. That's the core of our, 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 our religion. And, and anybody who tells us that we can't talk Jesus, what we have to respond to them is with the exact words of this. Hey, whether we should listen to you or God, you'll have to judge. But I can't quit talking about the difference he, he's made for me. We've got to speak the truth. And then we've got to, this is the next part, because 
this is part of how we speak not just truth objectively, but how we speak the truth of Jesus. This comes to us from Ephesians uh, 4, verse 15. Speak the truth in love. We speak the truth in love. That's how we speak the truth of Jesus. Some of you know, know people, and they're very good at speaking the truth in a very angry, hateful tone, right? Like, you're like, what you're saying is true, but I just don't like it because you're angry and you're hateful. You know, that's, that's not how we're supposed to speak the truth. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. And there are some steps we can take to speak the truth in love. The first step we have to take to speak the truth in love is we have to learn to listen to the, the people we're talking to so we can know them, so we can know how to speak the truth to them in a way they, they can hear. Friends, this, I heard this recently. It changed my life. Did you know the letters in the word listen are just the letters in the word silent rearranged? That's true. The letters in the world, listen, are just the letters in the word silent rearranged. Amen. God bless you. We're done. All right? <laughs> just, just if you remember nothing but that, you've gotten something significant out of the message today. But we have to be silent enough to listen to people. We have to calm the voices in our head that are just, you have those voices and you're looking at somebody and you're like, I'm waiting for you to take a breath. Because when you take a breath, I'm going to say the really brilliant thing that I'd been planning to say before you even started speaking. That is not being silent, right? That, 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 that is not listening. Oh, we've got to really, really listen. And the first thing when, when I want to speak to somebody is I want to know where they're coming from. Uh, the, often the first things I'll say, hey, tell me, tell me about yourself. Uh, tell me what you're thinking. Because then I'm, I'm going to be able to, to, to share more. And, and I'm going to know how not just to speak the truth, but to, to speak the truth in love. We, we've got to listen. And, and we've got to learn to, to stop being, trying to be the smartest person in the room, right? You ever been around somebody who always has to be the smartest person in the room? I bet what you'll eventually do is you'll try not to get in the room with them anymore. Because there are other people who make you feel like you're the smartest person in the room. Probably because they listen to you. And those people, they don't say as much, but what they do say is 50 times more influential. I just made that number up. But it's way more influential uh, than uh, what somebody who always has to be the smartest person in, in, in the room is. Because uh, you, you believe they believe in you. And you believe they think highly of you. And you believe they want what's best for you. So you're going to listen to, to what, what they have to say. And there's something that keeps some of us from saying that, from being that way. And the, the thing is, we have these brilliant ideas. And, and they're legitimately brilliant. And we're so scared that somebody will share the idea before us. And we want to be the one who gets to share it and who gets to say it. I want you to know, if you really care about your idea, the best thing that can ever happen is somebody else can share it before you. They might not even think it's that brilliant, but they just share it before you in a discussion. Because here's what you do when that happens. They've just, they have just teed you up. They have pitched you a, you know, a, a, they've lobbed a softball in there for you to knock out of the park. Because all you have to do is after they say that, say, I think Jeff's idea is brilliant. And I think we really need to listen to Jeff. And now you can hammer on that idea for the next 20 minutes and you're not lifting yourself up, you're lifting Jeff up. 
And every time you share that idea over the next month, you give Jeff credit. And every time you do, Jeff's like, that is a brilliant idea, right? Uh, that's it. We should do that. I, wow, I'm smart. Uh, you, you do that. And it gets the idea across and it blesses everybody because you didn't have to be the smartest person in the room. And here's, here's the last little bit. So you want to speak with truth and love, you learn to listen. You give up on trying to be the smartest person on the room. And finally, you say something in the kindest way it can be said truthfully, right? When I have to challenge somebody, I think about a surgeon. The best surgeons are very concerned with performing the least invasive procedure, right? The le if they can do it orthoscopically, they're going to do it orthoscopically. Like, if you have to get your appendix out, you don't want the surgeon who goes, yeah, I'm going to cut from about here to about here. Then I'm going to get the thing out. You want the surgeon who goes, I'm going to make a hole about this big and I'm going to put a robot inside of it. And that robot's going to go in, it's going to snip a few things, it's going to pull a few things out, it's going to... Uh, Patch you up real good. You're like, that's the one I want. Least invasive procedure that gets the job done. I think about that with my words. What's the least offensive, least traumatic way I, I, I can say this? And I'm, I'm going to try to say it that way. Except when I'm around my real good friends and then I'm just going to mess with them. Uh, but for the most part, I'm going to say it the least traumatic way possible. Uh, so listen. Don't worry about being the smartest person in the room. Say something in the, in the kindest way possible. And then finally, so remember, here's what we're doing. We're speaking the truth. We're speaking the truth in love. And then we are speaking the truth in love boldly. Because there will be times uh, when you will want to shrink away. When we, you will say, I, I don't want to engage in this. And you won't want to engage in this because you'll worry. Because again, you've been told we don't talk politics and we don't talk religion. That's right. But here's what we do talk. We talk Jesus and we talk ethics and we have to talk that in the church, right? We have to talk both those things. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about God didn't call me to go out uh, and, and lift up. Hey, you have to be a Christian exactly like this. And if you don't believe exactly like the United Methodist Church believes and like Concord United Methodist Church believes, then you're outside the bounds of God's grace. That is not the gospel. That is not true. God didn't call me to, to, to share that message, to talk religion. God called me to talk Jesus. God called me to talk life change. God called me to talk about right and wrong. God calls us all to talk about that. And when we talk about that, and we do so boldly, we give others uh, the chance to talk about it to us. And sometimes we're going to figure out we were wrong about some things. I'm not here to tell you that I have everything ethically figured out in this world that would please Jesus. I have ideas, uh, but there's somewhere where I'm wrong. Uh, there's, there's multiple places where, where I'm wrong. Uh, and uh, right now I want to uh, thank my family for not shouting amen uh, and, and just, just being, being reserved this morning. So how do we do that? Because there'll be those times where you're like, man, if, if I bring this up, like there, there are those moments where you're like, well, they're going to disagree and it's going to be awkward. Uh, or there are those moments uh, where you're going to need to speak up and you're going to be like, they're, you know, they're, they're going to not even want, want to, to hear from me on this. Uh, here, here's what I do. Sometimes when I'll, I'll hear somebody say something and, you know, it, it'll be just, just blatantly hate-filled. It'll be blatantly prejudiced. Uh, and I've, I've been trained like you, hey, hey, just smile and walk away. But 
the, the fact is we live in this society where we're becoming more and more divided and when we just smile and walk away, we allow those divisions to just increase, right? So what I've learned to say sometimes is, hey, do you really feel that way? And then tell a story. And usually I'll tell a story about somebody I know who's part of that group that's being talked about hatefully. Uh, or, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with that. Uh, because sometimes the person who's talking hatefully is a Christian. And I can just say, hey, how, how do we believe that and love our neighbors? And not, not to say, hey, you're, you're absolutely wrong. You have no right to believe that. They probably have a reason they believe that. To them, it's a, a good reason. Uh, most, no, nobody's the way they are because they set out to get hateful. But just say, hey, I'm going to have this conversation, but I'm going to have it in love. And we'll have it respectfully towards you. There, there'll be other times where people just don't want to hear from, from you at all. Uh, I, I can tell you I'm often uh, in uh, pastoral settings asked to be parts of conversations ab about church and particularly now about how we increase diversity and in issues uh, of gender and race. And I can tell you uh, that there are times I'm in conversations and there are people who do not want to hear a white male talk about gender or race. That they don't want to hear a white male say anything about that stuff. And there are times if you're a black female when you're in rooms and nobody wants to hear a black female speak. And whatever your gender is, whatever your race is, uh, wherever you are on the socioeconomic spectrum, there are times when because of who you are and just the way you look, people aren't going to want to hear what you have to say. And if you hold it in, you'll never help them learn more about Jesus and how Jesus loves us, and how this world's been flipped upside down. Because what did the early church say? The early church was around at a time when everything was divided, right? When you had Jews and you had Gentiles, when you had Jews and you had Samaritans, uh, when uh, women uh, were largely put down, when men were lifted up, when you had slavery and you had free people and you had this group in between that was more of indentured servitude and those paths didn't cross uh, and you didn't relate to people from that social category, you didn't talk to them. You had people who were sick and unclean and then you had the clean group and you had all these divisions even more so uh, than today. And what did the early church say? They said, there's the Jesus. And he healed Jews and he healed Gentiles. And he, and he had women followers and he had men followers. Uh, and he spoke to people and shared with people who were slaves. And he shared with people who, who were free and people who were rich and people who were powerful. And they said, in him there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. What, what do you think the world would be like if they're like, man... If we share that, it's going to be controversial. Man, somebody's going to get mad. We've got to speak the truth in love boldly. I know a man in his 70s. The great trauma of his life is his relationship with his dad. His dad loved him. His dad was proud of him. His dad never had any idea how to say that to him. And... His dad passed away before they had that, before he learned how to, to do that. And in this man's life, 70 years old, still, still trying to find the approval of his father. And his father's not there to give it. He's got an adult son now. And he and his adult son are, I mean, they're, they're getting into a lot of the same conflicts he had with his dad. And he just can't understand his adult son. And he's pulling his hair out. 
And he was talking to uh, one. Of, and I, I know his story because uh, one of his friends came to me uh, and began talking about, you know, what, what they saw happening. And his friend said, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know if I can say anything. I see this happening, and I, I don't know how to, how to stop it. And so we spoke, and the friend eventually didn't say, hey, hey, man, uh, you got to get yourself together. Uh, hey, man, you're looking at this all wrong. Hey, hey, man, you're, you're, this stuff has really messed you up. His friend said this. You ever think your son might experience you the way you experienced your father? You ever think your son might experience All of a sudden, oh my gosh, my father loved me. He just didn't know how to say it because I love my son. Oh my gosh, I haven't known how to say it. Everything changed because somebody spoke the truth in love boldly. May we as followers of Jesus Christ do the same. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we come before you today and we thank you that you have changed everything, that you have turned our, world, our, our lives and our world upside down and by doing so you have made them right side up because you came boldly into our lives to provide forgiveness uh, greater uh, than our sin and than our shame, uh, to provide uh, your presence and your healing in the midst of our confusion and our hurt and our illness and our weakness. Because you have come and you have promised to never leave us or forsake us. You have promised uh, that nothing in all creation, neither height nor depth nor powers nor principalities nor angels nor demons nor heaven nor hell can separate us from your love. You have changed it all. Lord, help us to speak your truth in love boldly in this life that we might worship you forever in the next. These things we pray in your name and we all said together, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.